When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Doesn't everyone go MIA for like a month after the championship games in fantasy football? I think just um, those of us that do podcasts have have that moment where, you know, we get to revamp on life. I mean, we take one night out of the week where we dedicate, I mean, over an hour to, well, for me being a degenerate, for you, like being the upstanding middle upper class family man that you are, raising two, <laughs> two boys, being a supportive husband to an amazing woman, yeah. like, like this is all for me. I selfishly think like we do this simply because you actually like maybe think that this will help spend time with me. So thank you for that. I mean, it's a definitely a fun perk being able to just talk about the league that you love with one of your best friends and um, somehow a couple people that four and a half people that enjoy listening to it. So we appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, for the people that have been waiting our return, we apologize, but I, 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 you, you need a break sometimes. So, anyways, we're back. We got to recap some winners uh, from the uh, season in the, uh, the Wannabe Superheroes League. Um, and then we're going to kind of start our off-season kickoff. We're going to talk about in-depth on a few teams in the league and what maybe what we think, probably Ron, what we think might be in store for those teams. And then we're going to finish uh, by cracking open Pandora's box and talk about some maybe rule changes. Uh, it was a hotly debated topic last offseason, kind of continued into this season. And, you know, who knows? We'll see if maybe there's any uh, um, any momentum for maybe getting a rule change or two implemented this year. Sound good, yeah. Dan? Let's, let's rage, brother. Let's fucking uh, rage. All right, well, let's do it. I mean, we're not going to go super in-depth on these games, but I think it's important to, let's, you know, a round of applause. Mr. Sam Weir defended his title. He is back-to-back champions. He beat Stefan. Uh, Stefan, who was going for his third title, um, a vi- you know, two of the most decorated teams in our league. And Sam, you know, got the job done uh to win back-to-back for the first time in this league. Uh, Dan, you know, let's talk about Sam's team and just what he accomplished this year. I mean, was there any surprise, uh, you know, seeing Sam capture this title? I don't think there was any surprise. I mean, when you've got a team primarily built with players that have winning teams, and there's a select few players that 
play on really shitty teams that can have really, really, really good weeks. But when it comes down to it, I mean, having a big stack of Eagles, who you've grabbed this shit to bed the last five or six weeks. And right, I mean, yeah. that is that is what it is. Since Big Dom had his, his sideline incident, um, it is there. But okay. you've got Christian McCaffrey there. You had, did he, he finish his wide receiver number two? I'm pretty sure it's CD Lamb. Um, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, you go through and you've got these guys that can show up and you do everything without Joe Burrow. Kudos, dude. Like, I mean, this team was <clears throat> built top to bottom. It had depth. It had injury resiliency. And for Sam, this is a big dub. Huge dub. Um, I mean, you got to give him props. And I mean, I think one of, you know, it's been a month, so I, I hope Stefan isn't uh, still regretting this one. But the difference maker, potential difference maker in this matchup, uh, after TJ Hawkinson tore his ACL, and I think it was week 16, Sam had to rely on a backup tight end. That backup tight end was Jawan Johnson, who he acquired in a trade involving Mr. A.J. Dillon and a second-round draft pick with none other than Stefan Metz. And Jawan Johnson went for 27 points. No other tight end on Sam's team scored points. Oh, wait, excuse me, Josh Oliver scored 3.2 points. Um, again, you know, it's what if, who knows how it goes, but how about that for potentially being the difference maker in the championship game? It's crazy to think. I mean, it's just when you look at it, I mean, and for Stefan, when you look at his side, there's no way that Justice Hill gets a play over Tyler Lockett. I mean, no. you're talking that's a 20, 19, 20 point spread there. Yeah. I mean, that that takes this match and that takes it from, I mean, that very well could have sealed the deal. That yeah. point difference between the two of them is the difference between Stefan winning or losing, but there's no way I'm taking a flyer on Justice Hill that last week. And you know what? I mean, it is what it is. Stephanie still got paid. You made money. Um, you won the division. You 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 you, you tried to be the three-peat champion. Uh, not three-peat, but third, third season winning it on the way to yep. uh, being Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, Stefan, great run, brother. Yeah, Stefan's got two titles in five years. Sam has two titles in five years as well. Uh, you know, is one of them going to get the third next year? We'll see. We hope not. <laughs> yeah, con- I hope that, that content gets fucking boring then. Uh, yeah, I hope not. Let's have some. Let's have someone else win. Uh, all right, let's move on to the third place game. And this one was a fun matchup involving you know a team that we thought was going to be here at the beginning of the season and maybe the surprise team of the league. Uh, Armand beat Mr. Nick Ruth in the third place game. Uh, Dan, any just quick high-level thoughts on this matchup? you got to love Kyron Williams. If you have a share of him anywhere else there, I mean, this is the pure Sean McVay running back, and you had a good week. DJ Moore did what DJ Moore was supposed to do, and he dropped another 30 bomb, and that's hard to overcome. Anytime you get two players that drop over 30, it's damn near impossible to fight that uphill battle in Saquon under 10, Travis Kelsey under 10, Evans at 10. You didn't see the big names step up for Nick when it truly, truly mattered. Um, and, I mean, Kelsey is 6.1 points. You don't see that. I mean, you look at what he did last week in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. It's You hate that it's bipolar, but, man, you hate to see a down week when it truly matters. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it, it stinks. I mean, for Armand's team, I mean, obviously – you know, he, he probably didn't want to win the third place, but I mean, I think it's got to be satisfying, like after some of the moves that he made 
for his team to show out like this, you know, over the regular season and then dominate in the playoffs, you know, to secure third place. I mean, kudos to him for doing that. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the names on Armand's roster and it's almost inevitable. You know, James Cook didn't have a great game, but he had a great year. McLaurin, great. Moore went off. Tyreek had a 13-point week and where two only went for 14. I mean, that's been the greatest show on turf. And I mean, if you haven't watched Hard Knocks and, and the Miami Dolphins, it's fucking absolutely electric. Um, that offense is something special. And we'll see kind of – Armand should be feisty again next year. Anytime you've got some of those big names that can have those big play potential, you got to yeah. love it. Big time. I mean, and Jonathan Taylor, I feel like he acquired him. He didn't really do much because he was kind of still rounding into form. But that's going to be an exciting piece to see on Armand's team for a whole season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what Indianapolis does this offseason. I mean, Minshew's a free agent. Obviously, we have Richardson coming back. Um, but Pittman's not not rumored to be going back to, to Indianapolis. So, I mean, we'll see kind of what happens and how big of a focal point Jonathan Taylor is going to be for that offense. Yeah, it's the off season. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens right now, but uh, kudos to Armand. And I mean, for Nick, um, got to be disappointing. You know, you made a lot of aggressive moves and, you know, to finish fourth place, uh, just missing out on money. I mean, that's got to sting just a little bit, but um, he'll be back. Both these teams, I think, will have something to say about it next year. I agree. All right, let's move on to the the new um, implemented rule uh, for this year was in the constellation bracket, whoever won that would secure the 25th pick in the rookie draft, uh, which is 2.13. And the winner of that was Mr. Jerry. Um, not really a huge surprise. I mean, when we saw the playoff bracket shake out, I mean, Jerry was just, I think, heads and, head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, so Jerry just took care of business. He did what he was supposed to do. And now, I mean, it, it sucks that he didn't have a chance to play for a title. But getting the 25th pick, I mean that could be a decent piece or a decent asset to use in a trade. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think having just that, that last little selection before we have that hiatus gives you the ability to still have top tier, high ceiling, low floor talent. And yeah. when you look at Jerry's roster, I mean, Derek Henry, obviously free agency coming up for him. We'll see where he ends up, but he's definitely lost a little bit of a step. Still has that downhill ability for early down back, but he's going to be spelled, but you've got James Conner. I'm on Ross St. Brown. We've got a lot of good pieces. And Jerry won this with a zero on his roster. Like a zero starter in points. And, I mean, for for Adam, it's just he underperformed. It was what it was. Eckler had one of the worst seasons that he's had um, from a yards per game perspective. Diggs didn't do anything. You did get Jefferson back, but Kittle went out early. Dalton Schultz didn't have a a good of a game as he needed to. Um, So, I mean, overall, I mean – I like going into this, we all would have said Jerry's going to take care of business and Jerry three games, three very good performances. Well done, sir. Agreed. Congrats on uh, taking home that first pick. That'll be exciting to see what he does with it. Um, All right. Well, congrats to the the teams that managed to secure a win in this league and just the the 2023 season as a whole Uh, It was a fun one. Very competitive, uh, you know, for everyone involved, uh, had some ups and downs, but it was exciting. And once again, I mean, big, big kudos to Sam for winning the title back to back. I mean, that is just very hard to do. And, you know, kudos to you. It's good, sir. Yeah. yeah, well done, sir. I'll give you the, the, the credit where credit's due. You built a good roster and you, you've made moves along the year and you rebuilt the first couple of years to be able to reap the benefits of that. So well done. Mm hmm. 
All right, Dan. Well, we have a winner in our Pick'em Challenge. By one one game, I take it over you. Uh, My record was 54 and 13. Your record was 53 and 14. Uh, Shout out to Armand for helping me secure this victory. I went with Armand over Nick. Uh, Dan, you went with Nick over Armand. And that was the difference maker. I'll make sure your uh, George Webb gift certificate is in the mail in the next week there so you can go enjoy a beautiful George Webb burger. I I thank you very much, good sir. <laughs> All right, well, again, you know, kudos to a fun season. Uh, but, you know, Dynasty, it's a year-round thing. We don't stop. We just, we start all over. It's run it trade. back. We run it back. It's trade <clears throat> season. It's, you know, the rookie draft is approaching. Uh, for some people, this is your Super Bowl. Uh, for others, you're just twiddling your, your thumbs waiting for August. Uh, but we're hoping to do a few more episodes of the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And in those podcasts, we're going to cover probably about four teams on each of them um, and go in-depth on just those four teams, you know, how their roster's kind of sitting and, you know, projecting what we think might those teams might be looking to do this offseason. So I think it's fitting. Let's let's start with our, our back-to-back champ, you know, the – the man that's the first ever person to kind of complete the rebuilding process. What is in store for Sam this offseason, Dan? I mean, I don't think there's much that he might need to address. There's some depth pieces that we got to look at. Geno Smith might not be a thing, but obviously we still have Joe Burrow there. When we look at the draft capital, he's making one pick at the very end of the draft. He literally has Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant, yep. But So for Sam, I mean, there's... I mean, what do you do if you think you need to move on from certain pieces, certain talents and try and acquire draft capital or players to be competitive? Great. But with what he has going on and what he has in his roster here, you just pray for health. You pray for a good preseason, a good training camp. Everybody comes in and you can get depth where you can. Amari Cooper is still on this roster. Hawk's still on this roster. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pieces that you've got. Who knows what's going to be in store for Zeke? Um the Desmond Ritter train looks like it's about to fly off the tracks. Um, so you hate to see that. Lance, I still don't think he's going to get his opportunity in Dallas. Bajan mm-hmm. had a good run. But, I mean, when you look at this roster, starting lineup-wise, you just need depth, brother. It's all about depth. Yeah, I mean, I think and the, there's a couple interesting things I have for Sam's roster. I think the first one is TJ Hawkinson. Because he also tore his MCL, they delayed surgery, and I think he just had his ACLs um, very dicey. I think to see him um, activated, you know, for the start of the regular season, and who knows? I mean, this year that division, you know, we'll we'll talk more about maybe rule changes, but um, Sam's division was extremely tight. You know, who knows? That could potentially maybe be the difference maker. You know, put put him behind the eight ball because. Even though Juwan Johnson went off in the playoffs, you know, I'm not sure if that's someone that you're going to feel super confident having to start for two, three, four weeks um, until maybe TJ Hawkinson is back on track. So that's maybe something I'm looking for Sam's team um, just as a potential, you know, opportunity to improve your team. But, you know, who knows? You might wait and see how things play off before you rush into that decision. I would agree. I mean, Juwan Johnson was very serviceable, and depending on yeah. what the Saints do at quarterback obviously the the jackass of tools is on that roster still so you don't feel confident fully in juan johnson 
Um, but he's not bad to be serviceable based upon the rest of the pieces that are on this roster. So yes, it's it's the the black sheep in the room, but yeah. it's it could be a Hispanic sheep versus black sheep. I don't even want to. <laughs> not touching uh, it. Um, hashtag hashtag canceled. Fair enough. And I think the last question for Sam's team is, you know, obviously Sam's got a good roster, right? But, you know, with Dynasty, what we see is you need to constantly kind of be shuffling things around in order to stay relevant for a long period of time. Now, thankfully, Sam's got that Hurts and Burrow combo, which is pretty, pretty dang strong, you know, having those two quarterbacks. Running backs, they don't last forever. I mean, Camara is getting up there in age. And then also McCaffrey. I mean, does Sam maybe explore? I'm, I'm not saying he should, but does he explore potentially moving either one of those guys who... I think Kamara might is likely going to be a free agent. I think the Saints will probably maybe cut him, maybe. And if that happens, you know, I think he still has something in the tank. But you know, who knows? Does Sam just ride those guys till the end of time, or does he maybe look to kind of pivot towards the future? I mean, that could be a question that you know, does he threepeat or does he you know make the playoffs for the next three years? I don't know. Yeah, and, you're, and you're right. Shelf life is everything. This is a huge, huge free agency running back core that we're going to see this offseason. Sam could get a haul for McCaffrey. Could get an absolute haul. I think he can get a sneaky, sneaky good haul for ETN. Oh yeah, that's that's another interesting one. I mean, like, I mean, cash. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was just saying the the take down or not take down. Jesus, Daniel. The oh, fuck, we just blanked out his name. The take Bigsby. There it is. Thank you. Um, Bigsby got some usage and everything like that. They obviously brought on. Um, Jaron's Johnson, but I think ETN still has some some good value, but he's young, and I don't think Sam moves him. But mm-hmm. unless Sam's looking to really, like, make a step to get firepower and maybe mm-hmm. go through it, get back into the first round, ETN could be scary trade bait for, for Sam. But I, I think the big piece is what do you get out of Alvin Kamara? And that's the, that's the winner. I still think McCaffrey... I don't think anybody's going to pay what the McCaffrey price is. Yeah. But um, maybe you t- maybe you sell a little short on him and you bank on him not being the guy that he is. But that Shanahan offense just operates so efficiently. Yeah, it, it's really hard. Like that's kind of the you know the chicken or the egg. Do you do you just risk it and like who cares if you're a year too early? But that those year year two you miss out on like that could be a difference between winning or not winning a title because there's few players in fantasy that are just that much of difference makers and christian mccaffrey is certainly that and sam's got two first round draft picks in 26 so if sam can weather the storm for two years with staying with this running back class and saying you know what jesus christ let let mccaffrey get to 30 let etn get to 27 like let pray that kamara gets a good landing spot you're two years away from saying i might be feisty here and still be relevant to reacquire youth. That's, that's you, a you, very good point. Yeah. So I, I, Sam's in an interesting spot. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, with all that said, I mean, it feels like it's probably going to be a pretty um, quiet offseason for Sam. Is that a fair I assumption? Agree. I would agree. It, Sam will field interest, yeah. but I don't know if Sam will get the interest and the level that he wants to be excited. Okay. All right, let's move on and let's talk about the team that finished in second place. Uh, 
previous two-time winner, uh, Stefan. Uh, Stefan's team, I mean, I feel like if Armand's team was the biggest surprise this year, I think Stefan might have been the second biggest surprise. Uh, he was all over, you know, from, you know, I think of that Michael Scott gif, like snip, snap, snip. Um, <laughs> he was trying to contend. He was trying to rebuild, trying to contend. Like, at times it didn't seem like there was a clear vision here. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at this roster, um, it's it got younger. It has good pieces. Um, but, I mean, there's still some question marks. Um On the flip side, though, he does have some pieces that are very intriguing to make some moves. How do you view Stefan's team uh, going into this offseason, Dan? I mean, I think we start with the fact that Stefan's got 1.4. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I mean, that's that's the elephant in the room that you can go through and address what it is. So depending on what Baker Mayfield does this offseason, he is a free agent. You don't have much behind him. And picking at 1.4 means that you could potentially get the third best quarterback in this draft, maybe yeah. the second, depending on how some chips fall. Um, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to draw some interest. How the Bears, the um, Patriots, and some of these other teams that are QB desperate take players, you could very well end up with a very good situational QB at 1.4. And I think that answers – I mean, Baker Mayfield surprised a lot of people. Let's just be honest. He played yeah. exceptionally well. Dak – was great. And anybody that says anything otherwise, and we think about just the one playoff game, is just a fucking ass ass. Dak played a yeah. very, very good season. He fed yeah. CeeDee Lamb. He, he was supported the offense. Nico Collins was great. Rashad White was great. Chris okay. Godwin's still going to be there, depending on what happens with Mike Evans. Um, you get, uh, Jordan Addison, Jaden Reed was a big step up for the Packers' offense. Yeah. Um, Charbonnet will be an interesting piece. Tyler Lockett's going to be kind of the interesting. He's getting older. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he moves on from Tyler Lockett to try and get something going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all, obviously Dolchich is is there with out in Denver, had an injury-riddled season, but I, what yeah. we saw with him last year in his rookie year is encouraging. So there's some good pieces that are on Stefan's roster, but the key to Stefan's success in this offseason is what happens at 1.4. Yeah, and I think you definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think we can both agree Mayfield is a starting quarterback next year. Like, that's, 100%. that's no doubt. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then the question knows? becomes, yeah. <clears throat> the question becomes, you know, for Stefan, do you want to get that rookie quarterback, you know, roll that dice? I mean, no guarantee that he's going to hit, but that's going to be probably, you know, a quarterback that's drafted in the top five. You know, maybe that's a guy that's on the Patriots or – a team like the Falcons, Raiders, or Broncos in a trade-up, something like that? Um, or, I mean, do you also just say, be like, you know, that would be cool, but I'd rather have a veteran quarterback. I'd rather trade it for, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but like Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Kyler Murray or someone like that. You know, just get someone proven. You don't have to do the rookie. Um, I think Stefan will have a lot of options with that pick because I think – we we're seeing early and it's kind of continuing with the senior bowl going on and, you know, the combine around the corner, these first five or six picks in this year's draft just look really, really, really special. Um, and I think if Stefan does want to move this pick, um, I think there's going to be a lot of interest uh, that he'll be able to get from around the league. And especially with Steve Zane and Chris picking ahead of him. I mean, these teams definitely have some needs on their roster and 
landing spots for certain players. I think you're going to make them more attractive. But yeah. this easily could be maybe a sneaky Brock Bowers at four if he's not taking a quarterback. Um, I mean, depending on where some of these wide receivers land. But I still think there's three quarterbacks in Marvin Harrison Jr. that are going to be the prime picks at one through four here. Yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks, but I mean, I think Bowers is right. I think Malik Neighbors is going to be fantastic. I mean, Romeo Adunze, um, it's, you know, kudos to anyone that's got to pick, you know, five, six, or maybe even seven in this year's class. Um, yeah, pray yeah. for seven because I'm picking a fucking seven. So let's just <laughs> put that into existence here. Fair let enough. somebody fucking fall, baby. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for Stefan's team, I mean, you kind of touch base on it, but I think for me, the biggest question is, you know, how does Stefan feel about some of those guys that quote unquote came out of nowhere? You know, does he feel confident in Rashad White, Nico Collins? I mean, Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram caught the most balls in the NFL for a tight end this year, believe it or not. Like Evan Ingram was amazing. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, amazing. Do you feel confident in those guys or do you kind of use this as an opportunity to sell? And, you know, Stefan is, you know, there's a lot of people in this league that make a lot of moves, but Stefan is up there as one of the the highest wheeling and dealing guys in this league. So I think that'll be very interesting. Does Stefan believe in these guys or does he try to capitalize when their value is maybe, maybe not, you know, at their all time high? And I think that like, I'm not going to go too in depth to, you know, wreck or ruin or help or facilitate um, <laughs> their values just because they play in the same division as him. Yeah. But you're hundred percent right. This literally is going to come down to how Stefan feels about the guy that's in the box and what he can get on the flip side for him to either get younger depth or vets that can get him back to a championship. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at teams that have been, and I'm saying this off the cuff without any doing any research. But when you look at teams that have been either won a title or played for a title, most of the time they don't have kind of the assets that Stefan has with either the young players, the fourth overall pick. I mean, even though it's 2.12, but the second pick, like Stefan still has some trade ammo to make moves or he could, you know, get young. I don't know. Um, Stefan's got a lot of options, though. He's, I think he's a very interesting team to watch uh, this, this offseason. And I would expect Stefan to make a few moves. So here's the thing with Stefan's team. We might have said it before, yeah. but another team that we've covered. Yeah. Stefan's got two first round picks in 2026. Something to watch. I mean, Weather yeah, Stefan is. Baby. Mm-hmm, it's, it's not bare. Um, and it's an exciting time. I think if you're Stefan, you have to be very happy uh, with how your team's looking right now. Yep. I mean, even if it's a third place game, you know, low playoff win going into to 26, so be it. You've won, you've won two ships, you're doing well. Maybe you weather the storm. Maybe he's maybe he wants a little bit more value because he can get it. Yeah, big time. I agree. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about our third place team uh, winner. Let's talk about Armand. How is Armand's team looking as we go into this offseason and, you know, what is uh, available for him to do? I mean, you got to love what you saw between two and Tyreek. I think that's mm-hmm. the first place with this team you start. Can those two guys run it back? And I think yeah. the answer is very much yes. I don't see how it's not the top priority. Jonathan Taylor, uh, we talked about earlier. Kyron Williams I touched on. Um, Do you have any concern about Kyron Williams, like kind of repeating 
this? Do you think it's a foregone conclusion, or do you think Rams are going to Rams and there might be a another running back that pops up? I think Kyron's going to be the guy. Okay. I, I I truly th- I I'm, I have one share in him, so I have to be a little bit biased in part of these pieces too. <laughs> yeah, full transparency. Yeah, but with watching the the how they used him, the amount mm-hmm. that they trusted him to say, hey, here's the deal, Kyron, like let's go, baby. Like you had your injury, we, we got you back. Let's see what you can undo. And he showed up that he can he can take care of business. And I really like Kyron Williams in this offense. I really do. Um, I think when we look that this could use some improvement, um, mm-hmm. we have no draft capital this year. Armand's yeah. got nothing. Literally, literally so nothing. It's, so it's what's on the roster and what can you pick up. And yeah. my nervousness is that once we get past Tyreek, DJ Moore, and Scary Terry, Cortland Sutton is there. Christian Kirk's not a great answer. Donovan Peoples-Jones went to die. Josh Palmer's not a thing. This wide receiver room outside of those three, I think, is an absolute dumpster fire. And that's very concerning. Yeah, I think it's totally fair. And I mean, especially, you know, we don't expect it to happen, but Tyreek Hill is going to be 30 years old. And I'm not saying that he's going to fall off a cliff, but it wouldn't be surprising if a year from now we're like, well, Tyreek Hill finished with, you know, 80 catches for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns, you know, so much for him being a top five wide receiver. Um, You know, on the flip side, he could certainly continue just being a stud and hall of famer, but something that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility when you have these older guys on your team. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback room, I think looks good. I mean, obviously Tua, Jared Goff has proven that he's a warrior and he's the future of Detroit. And then Daniel Jones obviously went out with an injury, but we'll see how he rebounds and what the Giants kind of do to give him some weapons. Yeah. Um, what happens with Saquon Barkley? What's uh, your percentage that Daniel Jones is a starter next year? 68.9%. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's not super duper confident. I, I mean, anything can happen. And yeah. Daniel Jones, they, they signed into a big contract. They said, hey, we believe in you. So you got to feel good about what it is. But the injuries, the pieces that kind of play into that Giants organization and Brian DeBold maybe being on a hot seat of producing in a big yeah. market, those, all, those things all play a factor. Uh, does, does Daniel Jones or Brian DeBold lose their job first? Oh, Daniel Jones. That's that I would agree with that. Yeah, it's it's not close. It's Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think the quarterback room, I think it's good enough to get by. It, it's not guys that I think you feel super confident in, because I think, you know, right or wrong, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are continue to be split on the fence about uh, Tua Tagovailoa and just what he brings. Is he the answer? Uh, very similar to Jared Goff. And Jared Goff obviously proved everyone wrong last year and did it again this year. And, you know, if his team didn't choke in the second half, he might be playing in the Super Bowl right now. Um, but I think offensive coordinator's coming back. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, that is a huge one. You know, Ben Johnson returning like that. You know, this whole offense should be that much even better. They've got, they've got a lot of young players still on that team, and I think there's room for growth. Um, but I think if Armand's team, like, is going to get back in the playoffs. I think it is going to be on the backs of 
Kyron Williams and Tyreek Hill repeating. So I think that's just something to watch. Um, if either one of those guys takes a step back or, you know, a serious step back, I think, you know, Armand might be in a little bit of problems, but I, I don't think there's a reason to expect that to happen. I would agree. I, we don't typically bet a lot against people not living up to where they were before. Yeah. Um, Tyreek might take a step back just because of the incredible season that he had. But yeah. considering that's probably the second best season we've ever seen for a wide receiver, just obviously Calvin Johnson doing that. Yeah. But I mean, shout out Jared Goff for giving Calvin Johnson that record and to have forgiven Tyreek a shot at it. Didn't Matt Stafford give him the record? Oh, you're right. That was Matt Stafford. Good talk. Half credit. Because um, he did because yeah. then he went to get Cooper Cup. Okay, yep. Yeah. As you were. He's got a thing for, you know, wide receiver ones. Um, but I think for Armand's team, I think it's set up very similar to Sam's team in the sense that I don't know if I see a ton of moves here for Armand in this offseason. Um, doesn't have a ton of sexy pieces. Um, of course, he could try to do the whole trade a vet to get younger type thing that every team in this league is going to try to do. Um, but it's easier said than done. So I don't know. I never say never, but I, I'm not expecting to see a lot of Armand moves this offseason. I would agree, especially if he's trying to use his draft capital. There's not a lot of – he's got one first-round pick in the next two years that's available to him. Yeah. That, uh, that we have, as we've seen in this league, does not bode well for big moves. Big time. All right, let's move on and let's talk about the team that won the Constellation bracket, uh, Mr. Jerry. Um, frustrating year for him. You know, Jerry was one of the five best teams in this league. Um, and unfortunately, just with how things were set up, he's not he wasn't in the playoffs. Um, how do we feel about Jerry's team going into this offseason? And, you know, can he find a way to get back in the playoffs? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that we start with is obviously the Kirk Cousins injury. I mean, you tear your Achilles, you've got a guy that is a borderline. Two quarterbacks that tore his Achilles. Oh, I I did forget about that. Rodgers. Yes. Yes. Um, And that's tough. I mean, Jerry's quarterback room is fucking pretty fucking legit. I mean, Brock Purdy's playing. He's playing for a Super Bowl. Justin Fields, eh, okay, we'll skip that for Bears fans' sake. But 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 Cousins, wait. Is Fields a starter somewhere next year? 100%. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think so the mobility that Fields has and his playmaking ability in the right offense truly, I think, makes him better than what he was with the Bears offense. Now, is he still going to be a Chicago Bear? Time will tell, and we'll see that. But Jerry's wide receiver or quarterback room, I think, is very, very good. And when we look at what Jerry has to work with in this year's draft, we're not the first two rounds. We are picking at 3.2 I, I, and 2.13. Yeah, 2.13. So he's got three three picks within the realm of each other to give himself depth. Jalen Waddles on this roster. Um, OBJ overperformed this year, which I think is great. Tony Pollard is going to be a free agent. Um, when we look at some of the other pieces that Jerry has, Derrick Henry's a free agent. St. Brown's great. Komet, I still think, is a big factor in this in this Bears offense. There's a lot of pieces that I, I'm very much in on. Um, Rasheed Rice has really proven that outside of Travis Kelsey, who knows what Travis Kelsey is going to do this offseason? Yeah. Rumors are he might retire. Yeah. Rumors are that he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Rasheed Rice could be the focal point of where Patrick Mahomes is to put the ball. And yeah. 
for Jerry, I feel very good about some of the depth that he has, especially in the quarterback room. The running back room, David Montgomery was spectacular. Let's see where Tony Pollard ends up. Like Jake Bobo was a spot play. Um, A.T. Perry, I think, is going to be an interesting piece. I think Jerry's got a lot of fun options on the bench. Uh-huh. Do I trust a lot of them? No. Yeah. Do I get a little woody on when I think about some of the, some of the action I get from? Maybe. Okay. All but, right. Well. I mean, I think I think of all the rosters we've talked about so far, Jerry's is the most intriguing for what could potentially become of this roster. It has a very wide range, like a variance of outcomes. Um, I think just starting with the quarterbacks, you know, Fields, Cousin, and Rodgers, you know, seven months from now, we could be like, well, Jerry has like four top 13 quarterbacks, you know, in fantasy this year. He's got to move one of them or something. On the flip side, we could also be like, well, Fields isn't a starter. Cousins is had a setback with his Achilles, and Rodgers looks old as shit. He just has Purdy. Like, Jerry needs another quarterback. You know, there's – so what happens there? Um, and then that's not even mentioning a guy like Ryan Tannehill that could completely be a spot starter somewhere. Um, so I think that's really the biggest thing is just how does this quarterback room shake out? And can Jerry, you know, is he going to have as good as players as we think they're going to be? Because there are a lot of great names, but it might not be a, you know, play out that way in reality. And when we look at Jerry's roster and we think about, all right, so what, what, what do we look for next year in Jerry's roster? 2025, Jerry has two firsts and three seconds pretty nice sheesh yeah that's that that's compared to a lot of teams that's a lot of draft capital from what we've seen sam jerry and some of these other guys do with acquiring capital drafting players using these picks to acquire talent jerry might be using some of these assets to say hey you're right i do have an old decrepit quarterback a guy that's not coming well from an achilles and a guy that we thought was going to be okay and isn't with mr irrelevant here, give me this person. Here's your yeah. here's your draft capital, and Jerry now becomes continued to be relevant. Um, I think Jerry yeah. has an interesting balance between low floor, high ceiling depth, with additional draft capital that can be used to solidify a higher floor. Big time, and Jerry, we saw all this season when you know jerry got knocked down he like battled back he made a trade he was very very aggressive with filling some of the needs on his roster and wasn't deterred by an injury or anything like that so i'd be very curious i think what jerry does this offseason i could see him be continue being aggressive and trying to lock up you know a playoff spot you know if someone is moving a quarterback you know maybe he will just go for it you know maybe if there's an opportunity to acquire a stud wide receiver he wants to do that or a stud running back you know if sam maybe puts mccaffrey on the block maybe jerry's a guy that's like fuck it i'm gonna get him and i'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse you know something like that like jerry's been very aggressive so i would not be shocked to see him um do that Um, on the flip side like the roster is in good shape i don't think you can look at this roster um, outside of tight end, I'm not as quite as high as Cole, on Cole Komet as you are. I think he's fine, but I don't think he's a stud. Like, I think if Cole Komet's your starter, you better be stacked everywhere else. And I don't think that's the case for Jerry. Um, but even with that all said, I think Jerry has a very good starting lineup and good depth. So I don't know if he needs to desperately make a move. But. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the depth behind Komet, what Jerry's options are, Pat Firemuth is maybe a quarterback away from actually being continued relevance. And you've got Kate Otten, 
who had a very, very good year in Tampa Bay. I mean, all things considered, what do you think was with? He was tight end 20, so obviously very startable. As high as 20, nope. Yeah, if 26 you, points week nine. If you, if you want to make the, the compelling argument for Otten, it's not his regular season, but what he did in the two playoff games, going for over 20 points in back-to-back weeks, um, can that be a springboard maybe of what are things to come? Um, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, for your move, um, that whole Pittsburgh offense is going to be interesting to see what happens because I don't think the quarterback is on their roster right now that's going to be starting for them next year. I would agree. And obviously, one of the gentlemen that they just signed is somebody that very much loves their running backs, which means that the wide receiver room and the tight end room could very much be at a disadvantage. Unless you have their backups, then maybe they're good. Talk to you, Arthur Smith. Uh, but Jerry, I think, is very similar to Stefan. I would expect Jerry to make a few moves this offseason just because it's in his nature. I think Jerry has the the ability with the depth, the draft capital, and pieces that he could take a flyer on to say yes. I'm like, give me the opportunity to acquire this, and I might overspend. I might get this guy at a premium but I feel good about what he brings to the roster as a whole. Yeah, I think Jerry's, the type of move for Jerry that would make sense is like, all right, I'm going to move 2.13, Derrick Henry, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers for like 1.11. Like, just consolidate with some intriguing pieces to maybe some rosters that would be interested in those types of players um, and get maybe a higher upside player that can pair well with his guys. Yep. And a lot of that's also going to depend on how the draft goes with some of these first six, seven picks and what's yep. available after that and who impresses in the preseason where their landing spots are. And you get spots eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 that become super take a flyer. And Jerry's got the potential to do that. The only problem is, is Steve controls the draft. Uh, he has it like, he has every pick, I think, in the draft except for two. Well, I'm find Steve's team first. Jesus Christ. Steve has, let's see, seven of the first 13 picks in the draft. Yeah, so Steve picks at one, five, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And then two dot one. Yep. Third six or Seven out of the first 13 picks are Steve's. I have one of them, and I don't feel good about it. (laughs) Well, you know, only, like, five teams have one of those 13 I can fuck Steve's fucking back half of his shit up real hard at 1.7. Real hard. That's interesting, yeah. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. All right, well, anything else on just kind of these four teams, Sam, Stefan, Jerry, Armand, uh, before we move on? I know. I I look forward to seeing what the two intriguing rosters can do to make moves, but I think the other two are set in stone. I think there's there's not a whole lot that two teams are going to do versus two other. Okay, yeah, I would agree. I think Sam and Armand pretty set. Stefan and Jerry are the teams to maybe watch to get a little frisky and wild this offseason. Absolutely. And I, I think everything that'll happen will be post draft day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think anything happens pre draft. All right. Well, 
We haven't the last couple of years we've seen moves happen before the draft, even like in January and February. And so far it's been nothing. It's been quiet. So maybe they need the podcast to get the the trade juices flowing. You could be right, but um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We can we can offline side bet on that. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, let's move on. We're going to kind of finish talking about some rule changes. We implemented um, kind of a the unique playoff rule and the two dot thirteen pick in last year, last off season. Um, and I think that was kind of a springboard for some rule changes. And after going through the year, I think. You know, some people's opinions changed or maybe they became stronger on some stuff that we have to do. So with that said, we're going to kind of go through and talk about three potential changes. And Dan, you and I are going to kind of just we're going to try our best to explore both sides. What maybe the side that wants to do this change or maybe doesn't want to do this and why or why not? That might make sense. And then after we kind of exhaust that funny hypothetical, we'll share maybe what we think about those changes. Absolutely. All right, so the first one we're going to talk about is, um, and this has been brought up by a few people, not just one, uh, is potentially increasing the buy-in for this league. Uh, Dan, let's open it up with you. What are just, you hear that, what do you think? All right, so the question becomes is, how does the increased buy-in work? So the first thing we have to talk about is, what is the increased buy-in? Yep. Are we going from, just because we're buying right now for what, 125? Yes. Okay, so if we go to 150, 175, or 200, I think those are the three logical pieces where, we see the increase. How do we see those funds distributed and what makes the most sense? Does it go to the winner? How do we split it to weekly payouts for a top scoring team? Do we enter an additional category that's paid out based upon what the increase is? And I think as we begin to think about increasing this, and obviously we spend a lot of time in this league. I would, this is probably the the first slash second most league that I spend the most time with. Um, I do a podcast for this league and one other league. So I'm truly invested into what this is. So seeing the increase where I'm dropping another league because I might foresee this increase coming, I get it. I understand we want to see our investments get paid off. I think teams that are set up for the future really want this because of the potential to make more money. I think we have to worry about, obviously nothing would, again, this is me. 2026 would be the first year that this would happen because nobody's traded draft picks or we have traded draft picks. It would be 2027 potentially. Um, Just because I think making changes where people have traded assets, acquired assets, giving them the flexibility to make those changes or opt out. I know we had somebody express interest that if we do this, I'm probably going to have to drop. Um, I mean, and I get different aspects of life. Yeah. This is this is truly a passion of mine. So I would want conversation around where we see the additional funds go, what the additional increase is. And I, I think those are the two biggest pieces on a league increase that I would be curious about. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you want to go for it, you know, I've had, I'm not exaggerating. I've had like probably four or five different people separately tell me like that, you know, this is the league that they devote the most of their time to. You know, they invest the most time and energy. They care about this the most. And that's awesome to hear. You know, I think a large part of that, Dan, you know, I'd, I'd like to think it's because of you and me, you know, with the podcast and what we bring. But I also think, you know, it's the it's everyone else that we have in this league. I think we got a, a bunch of cool dudes and like minded individuals that I think help uh, cultivate the this league to what it is. And then we also have Kevin. 
Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, never miss that shot. I love it. No, no, no. Kevin knows I love him. Um, but so I get that, right? Like, obviously, if you care about this league and how much you, you know, if you participate in it so much, you know, you're just like, well, I'm already spending X hours a week. You know, why wouldn't I want to invest more? So I get that. And I think, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Like if a buy-in was increased, you know, I, I don't think it just simply goes to like more to the weekly winners, more to the playoff teams. I think you have to find some quirky different ways to do it. You know, maybe you have like payouts for like team that scored the most points in the season gets like X dollars team that won by like the smallest margin gets X dollars team that like has like the best draft pick or best pickup. You know, maybe we vote on that. They get something like fun stuff like that. That just doesn't go to like the best teams. But, you know, I think just ways to kind of increase um, and not productivity, but increase like kind of um, morale for everyone. You know, the teams that are trying to win and lose. I think that would be the goal that if we went this route, I would really push to see implemented. I mean, um, think about when you when you have things like offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, so the guy that drafted CJ Shroud this year, who we all think is going to win offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Give that man the ability to say, I made the best draft pick that was available to me at the time that I had it. And that's going to be a team that didn't make money at the end of the year. Probably, so having yeah. draft capital might make that just that much more special to say, hey, this is where I had the opportunity, offensive player of the year, MVP. Yeah, you know, I think those are super cool if you have that. It, like, fine. And they're unique. Yeah. And this is where we have the ability between all 12 of us and obviously two of us that talk out of our fucking asses to you guys, you know, as often as we can. Just want to facilitate and say, hey, everybody start thinking about crazy shit that you think would be fucking cool and make us unique. But I think awards would be great. Mm-hmm. Top performers in categories, rushing leader, passing leader, like all these different things that we Fun have. Stuff and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, if we're going to increase, I, I think we, I think we find creative ways to use it. Yes, I agree. And then on the flip side, like, what if you're just like, no, I don't want to increase the league. And I think like, I think that's perfectly valid too, because, you know, I, I'm speaking a little bit on my behalf, but like, while I do invest probably the most in this league and other leagues, because of how interested I am in this league, you know, this may sound like snooty or snobby, but it literally is not about the money. Like, I don't care. Like, I just get, I want to have the bragging rights. I enjoy playing it with like these 11 other people. Like if this league costs like $5, I would still be in it just because I enjoy doing it. So like, for me, the money really doesn't matter. Um, You know, obviously money's nice. I'm not going to say no to it. It'll be nice to win. But like, I don't, you know, that's, it's not like a huge driving force for me. Um, and if other people, you know, feel that way or like are like, well, you know, financially, maybe I just don't want to commit to that. I think that's perfectly reasonable um, for someone to have that opinion as well. I, and for me, like, I think I personally know 10 out of the 12 people in this league. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, like, I don't know Armand personally and I don't know. Oh, no, I know Chris. You've done this. I know Adam. Chris, yeah. yeah I don't, like, those are the two guys I don't know. But yeah. you're right. It's this camaraderie where. I like who I have to compete with. I like who I can shit talk. I like who yeah. I can enjoy having conversation with. I, I learn people's trade habits. Yeah. I learn people's time. like things that make them well. Granted, my trade habits are fucking awful, but we They're still have conversations. Crazy. But like we started this group five years ago with this core group. Yeah. 
I don't necessarily want to jeopardize that piece because somebody is financially tight. Somebody has a family and granted I'm a degenerate. So I only have to worry about myself and my gambling habits. Yeah. But like, there's some aspects that say, do the people in this league matter keeping them together more than what you can make? And I think that's something that when you look at it, you have to think about league dynamics, potential opinions that happen in this, into this room if we have to change managers and owners. Yeah. And that's that's a scary thing to think about about future change because if something builds traction that doesn't benefit you, your future, where you're rebuilding to, it kind of really puts a damper on it and it makes you almost want to say, hey, it's not worth my time or investment to be there. Yeah, no, I think that those are all completely fair arguments and I definitely agree with them. And, you know, I think it's a worthwhile um, thing to consider. Um, so with that all said, I mean, we've kind of exhausted this a little bit. I mean, Dan, if this came to a vote or if this, you know, wanted your official stance, you know, where do you stand on this one? If we went from 125 to 150, I wouldn't care. Okay. If 25 bucks is 25 bucks. If we're starting to push the 50, 75 dollar range, I might be less inclined. I might be forced to drop other leagues that I don't want to. Okay. But money's money. And for a guy like me who belongs to a country club, what you're saying is you're in no matter what. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, a fucking pushover. I think for me, I could legitimately go either way with this. If the majority yeah, of people want to increase the league, I think I could be for it. As long as we do cool stuff. Like yes. rookie of the yes. year, you know, player, whoever has the player that scored the most fantasy points that year. Fun stuff like that. Yes, I think that's cool. Um, on the flip side, if people don't want to do it, I'm fine with keeping things how it is. I'm, you know, this isn't a hill that I want to die on. Correct. I would agree. All right. Um, let's move on. This was another polarizing one. Um, the playoffs and divisions, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, divisions have been uh, a hot topic of late. You know, I think the the goal with divisions initially was kind of to have that unique rivalry that they create, you know, and something to work towards. Um, but on the flip side, the ex- expectation was like that these would be things that constantly kind of shift, right? Like if one team was dominant or one league was dominant, we'd see things kind of shift back. And while that's kind of happened, I don't know if it's happened to the degree that people expected. Um, And because of that, it's kind of created unique situations where teams either, we know for sure the teams that are going to make the playoffs before the season even starts. We know the teams that probably should be rebuilding before the league even starts. And if you don't do that, you know, you can prove us wrong, like maybe Armand did maybe this year. Um, but on the flip side, you know, more times than not, I think we're right. Um, so I, I think there's been a lot of interesting things that happen with this. And I think there's been a lot of building support with maybe abandoning divisions, you know, maybe kind of adjusting the playoff settings. You know, do we go to keep divisions and the only things that are guaranteed are the two teams that get it to buy are the division leaders. And after that, it's just, the top four best teams. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of, or we just get rid of divisions entirely. And it's just one through 12, the top six teams make the playoffs. That's that. Um, or we make no changes and we keep things kind of how they are. We keep kind of the weird rule that we implemented where if, if the fourth place team has a better record than 
the top first place team. It's it's really hard to argue against keeping that team out. Um, so I don't know. A lot to consider, Dan. I mean, what are kind of your thoughts when you hear this one? So the first thing to go in my head when we say, hey, let's abandon divisions. Yeah. How does the schedule work then? How do we determine who plays who? Yeah. What if, 14 like, games. Yeah. And, and obviously we don't have, if everybody plays each other once, that's 11 games. So we got three extra. Three extra games. Is it a rotating schedule year after year? Is it, is it playoff based? Is it matchup based? How do we actually make the schedule fair so that a team that is rebuilding doesn't always get set up to fucking face the number one seed or play the 11th seed? So the yeah. scheduling becomes a big piece to, to that. Because when you think about the middle teams, the five, six, seven, eight teams that potentially could be within divisional records of each other. Yeah. What does that happen? Obviously, we're five years into this. Yeah. Pieces have been made to to do this. And obviously, we still have futures out there. But this is something to consider for those moves and how people manage because of the schedule or, or of the division change. Now, with that being said, we talked, to this, talked about this before this even started. What happens if division becomes so skewed that one division dominates another? And we obviously put a rule in place that fixes that. This is an interesting subject. I'm not sure I'm sold on disbanding divisions. I'm not sure I'm sold on rearranging divisions to make them more fair. Yeah, that's another option, too. But with that being said, why are we penalizing teams that have made good moves? Jerry should have been been in the playoffs over me, 100%. Yeah. Had a better season, and I'm getting in because I ended up qualifying better than the other shittier team in my division. And I got blown the fuck out in, in round one. And Jerry would have beat me fucking hands down the entire playoff season. Yeah. Why should he not have a chance to fucking have a good week and make the playoff and, and win money? This isn't. I think this will be the most spirited conversation that we're going to have yeah. in this offseason. And people have to look at short-term as well as long-term ramifications for how they value their opinion. Because draft capital is being allocated. Like We have things that people are going to have to consider and remember it before they make moves and how it all works. I, I This is going to be a fun one for us. Yeah. No, I think you you know, bring up a lot of great points. I mean, it's, I get the appeal of divisions. I really do. And I think when I created this league, honestly, I really wanted divisions because of all the rivalries and what they create. But I think after seeing it unfold for five years, I don't think the end result is something that I'm happy with because I think more times than not, it forces teams to go a different direction when you're only competing for three or hypothetically maybe four spots. Um, because like, let's be honest, like last year, you know, when we saw five teams in my division go for the playoffs at the beginning of the year, like that was stupid. Like it was pretty unlikely that we were going to get four teams in the playoffs. Now, obviously it played out that way, but like the smart thing, you know, quote unquote smart thing like Jerry probably should have blown up his roster or I should have blown up my roster and I should have tried to rebuild but like at the same time like why is that like fine to do like why is that fun like if if you have the fourth best team in the league why should you blow up your roster and so I think that's just like what kind of like comes like hangs me up on this 
Um, I think, you know, for me, I think the sweet spot is you keep divisions. You still have kind of the rivalries. You still get the advantage if you're in a shitty division of playing with your other guys, like with the schedule that we have created. But all you guarantee is just the two teams that secure the buy. The winner of each division gets a buy. And then the other four teams are purely determined by record. If that means the four teams are all in the same division, so be it. The other team then, that's a testament of you sucking that you weren't better than four other teams because theoretically then your division was shitty. And how you don't capitalize on that, I mean, that's on you. And I think that, that brings up an interesting piece to where we have 2.13. Yeah. I easily could have been in a spot where if I if Jerry makes the playoff roster and I don't, I can walk in and say I get 2.13. <clears throat> I had the best shitty team that did not make the playoffs and had a good run at it. So, yes, I see very much relevancy in what you're saying. It's how we – figure out the ebbs and flows to is that truly what's best for the health of the league steve's got so many first round draft picks that your division doesn't have yeah that we can see two to three years down the road a complete flip in the spectrum of steve's now relevant i've got first round draft picks um i don't even know who else might have future written? Like, what does Adam have? Does Adam have anything big? No, Adam does. No. Example. I mean, Chris has Chris. a few picks. Um, Stefan I mean, obviously has multiple ones. But I mean, is, I think like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish. No, I was saying, is there a view in your eyes where two to three years down the road, this shifts to where we become more balanced and then we see kind of which division wants to rebuild again? I think it's hard and to I, say I, because our league is... Our league is very, um, very, like, hot and cold, like, all in, all out. Like, we're seeing teams trade away multiple picks, you know, go for it. We, you know, if we're being honest, like, the only two, like, there's really only been one dynasty in this league, and that's Stefan. I think Sam, you know, rebuilt, but Stefan's the only team that's made the, the playoffs all five years. You know, Stefan's won multiple titles. Like, we're seeing teams like Sam rebuilt. I mean, Nick rebuilt. Um, you know, Sam has won titles. But, like, we haven't seen, like, con- sustained success over multiple years. Um, and it's still early. You know, we'll see how that plays out. You know, making the, the playoffs, you know, six out of seven times would be impressive. And I know a lot of teams are capable of doing that, you know, depending on how things go. But I guess my point is, like, I don't. I don't know if like things are drastically going to switch, you know, and even out. I think what the more likely outcome is we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we are now in the sense that there might be three or four dominant teams and then a shit division. So maybe, you know, my division will be shitty in a couple of years and it's just Sam winning or Zane winning and, you know, you, Steve, Kevin, and, you know, Chris are, you know, should be in the playoffs, but you're not because only three of you can make it or something. Yeah, and I, I mean, how quick is too quick to make a rash decision? Like, I mean, yeah, we're five years in, and we have three years where a change would happen. Obviously, I mean, where do we forecast that? I think that's the piece that we all have to consider is, does making a change like this really truly impact the overall stance and I mean, obviously we're all in here to probably make a little bit of money. 
we're all in here to have yeah. a little bit of fun. But the decisions we make impact our future, future moves, and everything like that. Is a decision to remove the visions because we have such a lopsided view right now best for the league in three years? Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I if I had it my way, I would just get rid of divisions. But I do see the appeal of them and, you know, just the rivalry and kind of the uniqueness that it creates. So I think maybe it's the best of both worlds. You keep divisions, two teams or the division winners get the buys and then whatever else happens, happens. But, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like this is going to involve a lot of conversation and a lot of like discussing. And I, I don't know if there's an easy option here. And, and I don't know if we'll ever get like an agreement, you know, on yep, the best way to go. And again, think about how you have to develop the schedule. If you play everybody once, you play 11 games. We have three games now that have to be, return, be determined amongst the 11 teams. Is it a random drawn rotating schedule year after year? Is it, I mean, how do you make the determination that's fair year after year for everyone? Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. Just, yeah, that's just one of those things where I think no, that's fair. if we do determine to rip divisions, we don't have an easy way to set a schedule that becomes solid, for lack of better word, year after year. Yeah, for me, at the end of the day, I view it as it's a numbers game. In divisions, you're basically just competing for three spots against six other or five other teams. And because of that, I think your hand is more likely to get forced and it's more of a, you know, more different, like kind of class warfare with like the the contenders and the pretenders. On the flip side, if there aren't divisions or you kind of like create like the unique rules, you're competing against 11 other teams, but you're competing for six spots. Um, and it's just a, there's a higher probability of you making the playoffs in that situation and your hand not being forced because you're competing against depending on how the year falls, instead of having like maybe the three best teams in your division, you know, now that there aren't divisions, you know, you have, you know, everyone's competing against those teams. So it's just an even more playing ground. So I don't know. I I think for me, I'm definitely for making some sort of change, whether that's abandoning divisions or keeping divisions and having like the, the winners get buys and the four remaining teams get seated by record at that point. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I'm going to venture an opinion on this one. Okay. I'll let you have yours, um, simply because I think there's benefits to both, and I think there's a very large negatives to both. Um, Fair enough. So I'll I'll leave my opinion to the group vote and just let you have yours. All right. Fair enough. All right. The last one, and this is, I'm. It didn't have a lot of support last time, but I think it's it's been one that I want to revisit because. It's always interesting at like the end of the fantasy season. I feel like you see a lot of people, you know, excited talking about like next year and talking about like what they want to implement and do. And I think the two biggest things that I saw like for potential league changes, um, the first one, and I know it was something I think Kevin or maybe Zane mentioned in league chat was kind of switching from PPR to first down points or points for first downs um, for scoring. Um, in leagues. And I think that's interesting, but I think that's maybe hard to implement in leagues. that's already, you know, been around for a couple of years. But another one that I think had gained a lot of popularity was eliminating divisions or uh, excuse me, eliminating trade deadlines. And 
yeah, that means you can trade in the playoffs. And I know for a lot of people, you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, someone that's in the championship game can trade for X player. And it's like, well, they could, but like if they're in the championship game, chances are they have a good roster. And also if they're in the championship game, they might not have a lot of pieces because maybe they made a trade earlier in the year. So I, I think a lot of that is overblown. And I think at the end of the day, if anything, I think this helps teams that are rebuilding more because this just gives them more opportunity to move that veteran piece, that piece that still has value. Because at the end of the day, these vets, you know, when you shift to the offseason, their value just becomes such a wild card. And, you know, this might be the last chance that Jerry had to move James Conner. Probably not, but just go with that. If Jerry could have moved James Conner during the playoffs, you know, maybe there would have been a lot to demand for him. But, you know, maybe this offseason he gets cut and he signs and he's a backup for, you know, ETN in Jacksonville. And it's like, well, good luck. You know, I don't know if anyone wants it now. Um, I think this just gives another potential opportunity for some teams to capitalize that need to capitalize on those type of moves. Um, So I would be obviously very much for it. I know a lot of people weren't last year, but I would compel you guys to have an open mind and think about it. Dan, what are your thoughts? So I think you bring up a couple good pieces to it. So trade value is determined by who? The league and, you know, the player that wants to acquire that player, I think. Correct. And in a desperate situation, what typically is the player that wants player going to have to do? They're going to have to, you know, pay up. Overpay. You got it. So you're right. That 100% creates a quicker rebuild for teams that might be willing to move on from veteran developed talent. It creates an opportunity. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, if Jerry had him on the block, I I don't know if that's going to create like a, a huge window. Like, I don't know if Derrick Henry is going to go for a lot, but I think this, you know, it, it might, you know, create the window to sell him at least, you know, for sure. Yep. And then you look at the fact that what do these teams in the playoffs potentially have to offer these younger teams, these teams yeah. that don't have the draft capital or the teams that teams that are in the playoffs that don't have the draft capital, that just have the players. But does it make sense to move on from one player to cover a gap? And that's where kind of having this, this no trade deadline piece becomes interesting. Now, with that being said, trade deadlines are trade deadlines. They give you X amount of weeks to move into the roster that you want to make your final run. Those are the decisions you make, make your final run. Yeah. And this is where injury RNG happens. This is where just life becomes a thing. Yeah. And do we want to be able to give teams that are playing for money the ability to shell, win, and then leave because they sold the farm and we're done with it? And I don't think that's the people that are in this league where they can make the most out of their money and then say, hey, by the way, dude, I'm good. See you. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think we have that kind of, those kind of people in this league. But it is something we have to do. Consider because we do play for actual real world money. I mean, if I buy in for 125, I make 650, sold everything to get the player that I want. And I was like, hey, <laughs> see you, brother. Nice. Well, you. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a gentleman's agreement, but our buy in does stay. Like, if you trade a pick in your 
draft year, you 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 are owed, or you have to pay that buy-in yeah. or whatever. Do you have signatures on file for that? I don't. Okay, so I'm just saying, I don't think any of us are that vindictive of a person. Again, I know 10 of the 12 members in this league. But for the two guys I don't know, I don't know that they're not going to make that happen. For the other 10 guys, they're going to realize, no, like, I mean, he does the podcast, he does all this shit, he's not going to fucking be that guy. But, like, we have some of these pieces that say, hey, this is an option. Yeah, I I mean, I don't have to rejoin. And having that trade deadline kind of solidifies the fact that you can't do that shit in desperation. But if you are desperate and there is this opportunity, man, does that make a lot of sense? Yeah, I mean, it definitely exists. And I think another point, though, is with us having the constellation bracket, it's not like half the league is twiddling their thumbs. Like there's incentive. Who knows? There might even be more action in buying from those shitty teams because they maybe have to, they don't have a great roster and they might be trying to lock up, you know, 2.13, you know, like that. I don't know. It could be a reverse thing. Like we think, you know, just in our nature, oh, this is going to impact the championship game. But I think it might go the opposite way, maybe. Well, think about the other piece that that's there too is free agency, yeah. waiver wire. Like if I'm a team that's eliminated and Brock Purdy goes down, and I have fab left. Do I blow my fab to buy this guy and say, hey, by the way, haha, sucks to be you. Trade me for him now. I mean, and, and I mean, it, and I think it 100% is. But does that compromise the integrity of the league and competition where a team that has nothing to gain in this year can gain in the future because they were really shitty all year? Didn't spend it in fab. And I, I mean, I'll be the guy that admits I might have finished with the most fab this year and everything like that. Probably. My ability to buy teams and say, hey, I got 1.7, you got 1.3 because you happen to trade up. Let's flop spots. I'll give you this guy that I picked up on waiver wires. If Is anyone does that, if anyone does that, I'm driving to their house and I'm going to slap them because that would be stupid. And I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that kind of play into. But I mean, at the same time, too, you can trade for Fab right now. Like we haven't seen that. Like oh, and like that's like obviously a very specific situation. But like you can trade for Fab right now. You can also like, you know, even if we didn't have a trade deadline, I could still bid on Sam Darnold if I'm eliminated for the playoffs. If, if he was on the wire, pick him up and. I would still maybe have a reason to get him because he could have future value. So like those teams still could dick around and fuck playoff teams because at the end of the day, dynasty is a year round thing. So like, it's not like we're going to lock someone out of doing a waiver way or move. Can we trade future fab? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's just one of those evil things that came across my mind. It was like, I'll give you $30 in fab that I have left for this year. for $30 in fab that you have next year. No. No, absolutely not. But this is going to be a very interesting debate. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of negativity towards this. But I I I would agree that I'm not 100% sold on this. But I will 100% go into this with a very open mind that says, "Hey, like maybe this makes a lot of sense." This guy says, "Hey, spend your fab to win this player." And I will trade you this player for this player. And if I get him, the trade happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's a lot of interesting pieces that kind of play into a gentleman's agreement. And I don't think there's any, I I wouldn't call it collusion. 
if Nick, if you yeah. talked to me in the playoffs and said, Hey, I know you have thirty dollars in fat. That's the most anybody has. But I mean, honestly, like I'm gonna stop you there because I feel like the fab thing. I don't know if it's really gonna come into play. Like I, we do see people in the playoff. I mean, like I'm not saying it's not gonna be a thing, but yeah. I think like I don't think it's gonna be if we implement this rule, someone begging to get fab to acquire Melvin Gordon because the Baltimore Ravens just signed him. I think it's gonna be like oh shit, like I'm Steve and I'm playing the second round in the playoffs. My roster sucks. Hey, Jerry, I'll give you a third for Noah Brown, who's been awesome with CJ Stroud because I want to try to win this week. And even though Noah Brown sucks or probably doesn't have a future, he could help me this week and help me get like 2.13. You know, let's do it. Or, you know, or it could be on on the flip side in the winner's bracket. You know, maybe, you know, Sam loses... I don't know, Jamar, or I don't even know, like C.D. Lamb, and he's got a trade for Brandon Cooks, and or just little things like that. Like, yeah. I, I think I, I would encourage everyone to keep an open mind, and I do think whatever you think the impact of this is going to be, I really feel confident that it's not going to be nearly as big as you think it's going to be. And if it's going to be as big as you think it's going to be, it's because a team paid out their fucking ass to get it. For sure. Like, and in that case... My... Yeah, that's my, my little I, thing. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. And I always root for the sellers. So then kudos to that selling team that capitalized. I like the buyers, man. I like seeing guys get paid. I mean, I like to see activity. I want to see action, baby, but oh well. That, that's, the, that's the biggest thing behind this, is I just want to see more action. I want to give more opportunities to people, and I think this is could go a long way in helping that. So I don't expect it to pass, but maybe they'll from now we'll finally pass this rule i mean dreamers gotta have dreams right exactly this All right, Dan, we we've chatted for a long time anything else on this rule stuff or just in general before we wrap this up nope i mean obviously we're gonna have our all in-person voluntary meeting to kind of talk about all this stuff and figure life out at least i think that's what we're gonna do right well, that's in the other league. I mean, for this one, I would encourage you guys, if you have thoughts, bring it up in group chat. Let's just kind of see how group chat goes. If it starts getting a little chaotic or whatever, we can maybe set up a video call. Or on the flip side, we're not voting on anything right away. We're going to do a few more podcasts. You know, if you want to, if you're zany, ideas. if you're really against this and you want to come on the podcast to talk about it, let's do it. And let's, we can definitely reserve uh, a spot for the next two podcasts to talk about rules so if you're feeling it, have to be one spot. it can be three four spots shit yeah. let's make this a fucking octobox an octobox the entire league is on here talking and <laughs> no one watches that podcast but yeah we could do it oh no if that podcast is happening dude like either you or i have to take control of the assets and, like you've all been muted god damn it i'm putting time out again <laughs> I like it. Well, all right. It's good to be back. Appreciate anyone who listens to this monster one. I think it's almost 90 minutes. Um, but uh, maybe your... maybe 80. I think we talked for 10 before you. Okay. Well, I appreciate anyone that listens to this whole episode. It's good to be back, kind of, for maybe the next couple of weeks. Uh, once again, congratulations to Sam, our defending champ, back-to-back. Is he going to three-peat? That would be of this off season. Yeah, time with no draft capital and everybody else does. Hey, 
those will be the key the key pieces to it. But uh, those of you drafting may the odds be ever in your favor. And we will talk to you guys before that. Nick, I appreciate the uh, the pod tonight. Of course, it was great. Uh, until next time, adios.